Great, guys. So now uh, we have the privilege of opening up the floor to you guys. Just a, a few uh, pointers. Try and keep it short, so like two to three minutes, because uh, we're expecting a lot of people to share. So we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to run out of time. Last year we had to like do it over two Sundays because we just had so many. Um, but please, yeah, try and keep it to two to three minutes, um, and and tell us what God has done. So reflect on on what the situation was like before. Uh, tell us how did Jesus intervene in that, and then tell us what is it like now. What is what has been the result of that? So those are some some guidelines in terms of sharing. But yeah, I just want to open it up now. So whoever's first. South Africa were awful. God intervened, we won the World Cup. That's the model. <laughs> so this is kind of a little bit of an update. Um, Paulo had me share my testimony shortly after I was baptized. Like two years ago? No, like a year and a half ago, I feel, yeah. Um, but so for those who don't know, when I was six years old, I was diagnosed with adolescence absence epilepsy. Very difficult for a child to say. Um, and basically, they said, I will either grow out of it, or it'll go, or I'll just have it for the rest of my life. Um, and when I was 18, I still had it, and it got worse. And it became juvenile myoclonic epilepsy, which basically just means I get three different types of seizures. They don't know what causes it, and uh, it appears when a person's young. Um, so I used to, mine was stress sensitive, so anytime I got stressed or anxious about anything, I would be a writhing mess on the floor, <laughs> quite literally. Um, and yeah, so doing a degree with that was really difficult. And in my second year, I was invited to come to church, and in that year, I decided um, on the 16th of October that I'd had two seizures that day, and it messes with your head quite a lot. And I remember just sitting there being like, Lord, take this away from me. I don't want it. Um, and yeah, so I, this year, celebrated two years seizure-free. And I also recently celebrated being off of medication for about a year and a half now. Um, yeah, so I'm not medicated. The Lord um, gave me word uh, quite a couple times through a few different people, um, through the piece of scripture, Mark 530-something or something like that. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go forth in peace, freed from your affliction. And yeah, God has been so loving, so sustaining, and so faithful through it all. So all praise to God. Um, yeah, so I just want to share a quick story about um, Paul asked us to whether we would like to host someone for the year, uh, one of the uh, interns and, and Rob's was um, the, the person who was assigned to us. I don't know how that worked. But um, so we didn't know Rob's at, at the beginning of this year. And it was kind of an uneasy, difficult kind of thing because, like, someone comes into your house and, like, all the, the, the things you do wrong gets displayed and <laughs> all that. But um, Rob's has been so gracious and, like, just learning from her, her heart, and just how. Um, she loves people around her and yeah, just been such a blessing to us and like just building relationship um, across age groups like with different people like we, we just feel like this is a community and it's such a blessing to be part of this family and it's really family like I mean there's, there's rela real relationship and it's been such a blessing. Good morning. Um, I'll just jump right in. I have been free from anxiety for a whole year. Um, um, so the, the kind of anxiety I'm talking about, um, it would be when I'm stressing about work, but I mean like max level of stress, like panic attack levels. But that same feeling I would get when I'm doing normal things, like trying to order coffee from the Nielsey, which, yeah, the, literally the whole of first and second year, I did not ever get anything from the Nielsey because I just, I physically could not. Um, and yeah, I don't know when my anxiety started. I was always a really shy kid and I feel like at some point that just evolved into anxiety. But um, yeah, so I've just, I've kind of always seen it as part of me, part of my personality. Um, which is obviously a lie, but it's a lie that I believed. Um, 
Yeah, and then last year, some somewhere in the fourth term, just before exams sometime, I, um, I was working on a project with a friend. He made an off comment. The comment itself isn't really relevant, but when I went and thought about that comment later that night, um, it triggered a panic attack, like full-blown crying, hyperventilating the, word, the works. Negative, negative 10 out of 10 would not recommend. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that, that's when I started praying, um, and for the first time I admitted, I don't want this. I don't want anxiety in my work. I don't want anxiety in everyday life. I don't want this part of me. And um, scripture popped into my head. Um, it was not a scripture I was aware of um, or familiar with, but something in me knew it's somewhere in the Bible I need to find this. And so the words were, cast all anxieties on the Lord, for he cares for you. And I said them out loud, and that set me free. And then I went and looked it up, and that is exactly 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Um, so, yeah. Um, where, where else am I going? Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that, that is what I did. Um, the, so the scripture basically answered a question that I didn't know I was asking. It answered why I need to give it up, because I, I was hanging on to my anxiety because there was no reason for me to give it up. It was, I saw it as part of me, so why? You know, um, knowing that other people don't deal with this isn't a good enough reason for me. Um, and so the scripture just comes in and says, the only reason you need is because God cares. You, you don't need to hang on to this because God cares and doesn't want you to hang on to this. So, yeah, I released it, he took it, it's gone, it's been a year, and let me tell you how great it's been. <laughs> so, like, literally, I can do things. Not, that's it. <laughs> like, not, not even important things, just things, I can do them. I, Work-related stress doesn't have the same hold on me. I can, I've ordered food from the Nielsey, it's great. <laughs> I started in the first semester, I did um, admin for the church offices, and Charmaine sent me to fetch the laundry. I've never been to a laundromat in my entire life. She gave me the task, and I found myself waiting for the anxiety to come, and it didn't. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool, I, I guess I go do the thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that's, that's literally it. It's literally just not there anymore, and it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So how it went away, literally, that, that moment of praying and realizing, give, give it to God because he cares, that was it. That was all I needed. And um, I also, in that same um, moment, I went to the mirror and like said to myself, um, I'm not an anxious person. I'm not, I do not have anxiety. This is not my identity. And I basically rebuked those words that I'd been saying over myself. And yeah, I... I felt from that moment that I was free, although um, end of last year, I didn't really put myself in situations that would have caused anxiety, but this year, the whole year, I've been doing things that I know would have given me anxiety, and it just didn't. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Is that what you said? Yeah. We had to sit through the whole rugby game yesterday, so I mean, we can do this. No, um, yeah, anyways, guys. Um, yeah, I'll try and cut a long story short, uh, but I just want to take you back quickly to a time when I just finished matric in Nigeria and I moved to the United States to attend university, and God gave me a vision to use um, soccer, which is what I love a lot more than rugby. Um, but yeah. God gave me a vision to use soccer um, and to have a space where soccer could become an environment for healing, for holistic care, for education and healthcare, and for people to uh, engage with the gospel. And so over the years, yeah, it was, it's, it's been a long journey, um, but that journey led Kendra and I and Sammy here um, in 2011. Uh, we moved to Salamwash and got involved in a couple of different things, and then 
God connected us to some great uh, local colleagues and found out that we had a shared vision that God had also laid on their heart. And uh, 2013, we started the organization that we work with now, which is called Training for Changes. Um, and the vision that we had was to, yeah, just to take the sport that we love and to engage the wider world um, and through the relationships that we build with young people um, just to live out the gospel and to share the gospel with them and to engage with partners um, at high levels all the way up to FIFA and, and corporates um, with the product that they had to embrace even though that they were resistant to the gospel. They had to embrace um, our organization and our team and through those relationships we would build with them we could share the gospel. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long journey, um, which I could talk for days about God's goodness. Uh, one of the scriptures that he laid on our heart years ago um, is in Habakkuk. Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there is no fruit on the vines, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. So it's been, I think, the essence of what I want to say is just that it's been a tough journey um, as, as all of us have endured ups and downs in our lives. But just to testify to God's goodness and his abundant grace and his constant provision. Um, and I always say that God's timing um, in our eyes is extremely late, but he always comes through with the things that he wants us to have. Um, and earlier on in that, in, in that conversation between Habakkuk and God, God tells him, look at the nations and observe, be utterly astounded, for something is taking place in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. So there were two components of of the vision that God gave us, and one is to have a center um, in Stellenbosch, which is a neutral, safe space that we can reach across the racial and the socioeconomic divides and bring young people in and love them and, and start to build trust and to rebuild um, the brokenness in this town. And one of the things that we needed to do that to reach out to kids physically and to young people who are, who are isolated by the spatial divides in this town was a means of transportation. And for years we prayed for a space, and for years we prayed uh, for transportation, and we've tried to raise money, and we've tried a whole lot of things. Um, but just in the last few weeks, uh, on a Friday afternoon, I received a call that two huge multinational uh, companies have come alongside Training for Changes and are investing to build a space in Stellenbosch, um, and a safe space where we can have a soccer pitch and where we can uh, invite kids and make these type of facilities accessible to kids um, who don't have access to these 10 fields that are right around us in this block. And then we thought, well, we're going to have this. How are we going to get people there? Uh, we're struggling with transportation. And, and I can't say too much because actually our team doesn't know, but I see some of our team sitting here. Um, so they're about to find out. But um, tomorrow our team is going to find out um, that we received a phone call that someone donated a bus to the organization. And that, that for our family was the first time, I think, that we, can, that we can testify of something just random, miraculous thing. Somebody phoned me and said, uh, they're at a car dealership, somebody has just come into the dealership and they purchased a vehicle, and you need to come and fetch it. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I could talk for days, but I just want to testify about God's goodness and his grace and his provision. Um, and tomorrow morning, um, don't tell the guys yet, but tomorrow morning when they come to work, uh, they're going to be surprised with a brand-new bus for them to go out and serve the kids in Selimosh. So, yeah, thanks. Good morning, everyone. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ollie. Hello, everyone. Um, so I, I studied education last year. Um, I mean, I did Stellenbosch University four years. And this year, I went into the education field. 
I did two maternity leave positions. So I wasn't on maternity leave, but people who I was filling in for, they were on maternity leave. Um, I did one in PE, and then I came and I did one here. And the, the school I went to here, or the school I'm currently in at the moment, it's an underprivileged school. So, uh, I mean, just to um, try to paint a picture of it, the kids, um, like, they get fed at the school, most, not most of them, but like quite a few, there's a feeding scheme. Um, and the violence at the school, I think, um, is just next level. So there's already been one incident where a child had to get admitted into hospital um, for internal bleeding because the boy just took her head and just smashed it on the ground. Um, so just the violence in the school, for, and these are little people, um, up until grade seven, is just quite in, insane. Um, I, I did a, a drama play with my class and um, just what they were enacting. Uh, so it was, um, the one scene was, a parent coming in um, and basically oh, there was a criminal and the, the, like the girl got raped and then they went off and yeah, these are great fours, just to paint, these are great fours and they're reenacting uh, a break-in with a little person. It's like, what? Like, what have you seen? Um, and so in this, the reason I'm trying to paint a picture of it is just to explain that there's absolutely like no parent supervision for these kids. Um, and that means that there's no really discipline being enforced at home. So when I came in the school, I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a lot, try to um, change my class so it's an organized environment where it's bringing God glory and you know there's not shouting and screaming and there's just you know like kids learning beautifully. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm quite fallen, and you end up yelling, and you don't want to yell because it breaks your heart that you're yelling at the kids. Um, so every day, I was just thinking, wow, I'm inadequate as a teacher. I'm not getting this right. I hate getting angry at them, um, even though it's a norm for teachers to get angry at the kids. Um, it's just, you, 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 there must be more. Um, so prayed, and I actually, it's a secular school, and I started praying with the kids every morning. I'm not allowed to do that at all, but please don't tell them. <laughs> um, and so I praying with them every morning, like walking the Holy Spirit into that classroom, like, God, would your kingdom come? And that's been my prayer for, um, since September, would your kingdom come? And they, my class used to be known, these are all great fours, they used to be known as the naughtiest class in the school. Um, and that was at, like max capacity, 35 of them. Um, and they, like, time and time again, um, teachers are coming to me and telling me, like, what are you doing with this class? They are so well behaved. They listen. They're respectful. Um, they, they're now, now known as the most well behaved grade fours. And I, I purely think that's like also from speaking life. I'm like, I'm not going to tell them they're the most well, like worst class. I'm going to tell them that the, the most um, that they're the A team. Um, yeah. So I just tell them daily like you're the A team, you champions, and they have become that. Um, and it's also crazy how uh, they um, they start to they all call out something from someone else. So I had a teacher who, um, she blasphemed. And one of my kids said to her, like, oh, ma'am, you can't say that. You can't say Jesus' name in vain. So not only are they, <laughs> not only are they um, then becoming more well-behaved, but they're actually like becoming little lights to the school, which is just, oh, it's really God. Um, and it's just crazy how I've seen two teachers have emotional breakdowns at the school and then God providing opportunities for me to go pray for those teachers, um, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, he's been really, really good in this time. And it's not because of me. I've been incredibly weak and fallible um, and fallen in my nature, but God has been so good and how he's provided strength. So, yeah. Okay, um, so, hello, Paul. <laughs> Paul knows what's coming. I emailed him. Um, I've actually got something that follows up very nicely on that story, but there's another one I just want to quickly share, you, share with you because I feel like I have to share both. Um, so about eight months ago, Johanna and I had the privilege of being married by both my grandparents who are a pastoral couple. They're actually old friends of Vic O'Kelly's. They grew up together. They were in the full gospel church. They are the holiest people that I know. And God's goodness on their life has just been absolutely incredible. So 
just before our wedding, my grand fell incredibly ill with something no one could have foreseen. It's called an intestinal obstruction. Nearly passed away, but God spared her. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, you know, my grand can see me get married and everything. And about three, four months ago, things didn't look so good, but it was completely unrelated. So she started developing edema, which either means heart failure or kidney failure or worse. So took her to the cardiologist. The cardiologist said, it's not her heart, but why has the fluid on her lungs not been checked out? So I was like, I don't know. I don't go here. So then I took her to the pulmonologist and they had a very, very long conversation with the cardiologist. I said to my friend who's a doctor, good news, it's not heart failure. He said, don't get excited yet. The differential diagnosis is cancer. So I was like, oh Lord, why? You know, we, were, we went through another near-death thing six months ago. And I'm doing my master's degree in cancer research. She was textbook case cancer. Weight loss, loss of muscle mass, um, fatigue, persistent cough, everything. I was already starting to uh, read up a little bit about diagnosis, treatment, how are we going to manage her? Because when you talk to the medical team in their terms, they almost sort of let you in into their confidence. The pulmonologist said to me, it is most likely metastatic, meaning it's through her whole body. This is not looking good. So I was like, oh, okay. The surgeon said to me, I can tell you it's cancer without the biopsy results. When they did the biopsy, he opened up, there were lesions everywhere. He said to me, start getting your family ready. She doesn't have much time left. My mom's pastor, sorry. Scientists are not supposed to have feelings. <laughs> My mom's pastor went in and prayed. Overnight, the edema disappeared. The weight loss disappeared. When they got the biopsy results back, my mom said to me, it's not cancer. I said to her, it's not possible. They swapped the results. Something's gone wrong. The pulmonologist said to her, I need to see you again in three months. This is not possible. I want to do another biopsy. It's gone. And he said to me, I can't understand. She had all the symptoms. We saw the cancer in her body. It's gone. And she was healed. And I still said to my husband, I don't know if you can pray if God saved her life six months ago. You know, you, the rationalist in me also said, it is your grandparents. At some point, you are going to have to say goodbye. You can't keep praying and praying and praying. And someone is near 80 and, God, don't let them die. Don't let them die. <laughs> and God was just so much greater than what I, the, the box that I put him in. So that was just absolutely amazing. And as a skeptic and as a scientist and a medical person, I was like, it's not possible. I didn't even pray for healing. I was like, okay, God, thank you for last time. I'm preparing for this time. And God was just absolutely amazing. So I just want to honor him for that. And then the second thing, sorry, I'll make this quick. I know a lot of other people still want to share. Um, the second thing ties in nicely with that last testimony on with children. So I did my internship in government hospitals last year and I qualified as a dietitian. My friends are also all in the medical field and recently we had a conversation about the things that we've experienced. I mean, I worked at Red Cross, we had to refer children to social workers that suddenly mysteriously picked up HIV at age 10. You know they weren't born with it, so how did they pick it up? Horrible, horrible stuff. And one of my friends, in very poor taste, shared the worst story I had ever heard, worse than the headlines. I actually felt sick when I heard it. And I thought, I'm going to have to speak to God about this later because I'm actually not okay. It was like this stone weighing down my soul. And at a later stage, when I actually processed everything, I said to God, how could you? How could you allow that? It was a baby. She couldn't run away. She couldn't protect herself. How could you allow that to a child? And I said to God, the worst bit is I know that you're not wrong. So there's no point in me being cross because you're God and I'm a person and I'm probably just not trusting in you, but I just don't want to speak to you right now. I'm just upset. And I just was like, okay, I'm not talking to you. Please don't talk to me. And it was a few days later and I had actually forgotten about it and I had this dream. And I'm not very quick to jump on the God spoke to me bandwagon. As a, like I'm quite a skeptic. But someone spoke to me in this dream, and they said to me, and I couldn't see them. I was sitting on the street with them, and they were talking to me from here, and they said to me, and it was one sentence that penetrated into my soul, and I understood exactly what they meant. They said, do you know why God allows suffering? God allows suffering because he values relationships so much that it outweighs what we go through so that we can choose him. And what that sounds like 
if you just hear the sentences, God lets us suffer so we can turn to him in our suffering, which is not what this person meant, whoever was talking to me. They meant that in a world where there's free will, suffering is possible, cruelty is possible, pain is possible because people do wrong things with that free will. That free will is also the defining factor that makes our relationship with God a true volitional relationship. God values it so much that we must be in a voluntary relationship with him, that we choose to love him, that we choose to obey him, that it outweighs all the suffering that comes with, with free will. And I had never thought about this. If I think about all the stuff that I saw in the hospitals, if I think about the stuff that my friends had gone through, that I had gone through, that relationship with God outweighs that caused such a paradigm shift for me that I don't have time to talk to God today. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the most important thing in the world. It outweighs the suffering that free will brought. And I thought about it. Free will cost Jesus everything. For us to have free will and do the wrong things with it brought sin into the world. And Jesus gave up everything to cover over the bad things that we've done with free will so we can be reconciled. We can't expect that Free will is not going to cost us something, but it brings us infinitely more. So if there's been damage in your life or people have hurt you or brought harm or something in your life, just know that relationship with God outweighs that and that God can heal. We, live, we, we serve a God who's in the business of healing and making new and loving, and that covers over the multitude of sins and the multitude of damage inflicted by human beings. So I just wanted to share that, and I hope that that means something to someone today because it meant a lot to me. Hello. Um, hello. We have been through a bit of a kind of a, a normal but rough patch um, in terms of, you know, raising lots of children. We get sick a lot and um, we just happen to have had one of those recently. But the thing that um, I, just, I, I just wanted to say that this community is what I'm so profoundly grateful through, through so very much of our lives. And you sometimes think it's, it's just, you know, like you have five kids, you're kind of asking to be sick for like three months straight for, for a few times, right? But it doesn't make it any easier. Um, just to know that you were in for it anyway. And so I think after, after a few months of, so the baby had the ear problem, so there was no sleep happening that way. Um, SD got pneumonia um, and a whole bunch of other stuff um, after that. And um, I, Paul and I, after you know a few weeks of not really sleeping, just kind of fell into bed on a Friday night just saying, please, Jesus, anything, like we can just, just please just give us sleep. And like we'd get it, we'd, we'd made, we'd put everything in, in a row for, um, for sleep to happen. We were in bed early and all the right things. Anyway, 20 minutes after that, um, Joshua started to vomit um, more, more than I think he's ever eaten. Um, so, um, and we're just, we're just I, I kind of hear this and I'm thinking, no, I can't do it. You know, that, that point of breaking where you just think, I just, just can't go. Um, and then, so we kind of got to our stations, Paul, Paul did the, the kid in the bathroom and I did the bed and then we kind of did this. And then Daniel starts running down the passage about 20 minutes after that, also with the same problem. Um, and, um, and at that point, I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit and it was hilarious. It was actually just funny that we were here three months of, or I don't know even, I haven't actually done the maths, but it was a lot of, a lot of weeks of crazy illness. And um, to hear that you guys had been praying for us um, when we, because we, we were off the one week as well, um, was just, it just meant so much that, that, that we're being carried by you guys. And that is just so, so humbling that, that, that we are in a community together where any one of us can go through this and we can think, well, it's normal. We should just suck it up and get on with it. But actually, it's, it's hard. And to have a community um, behind us just lifting us up and bringing us meals. And, I mean, Grace yesterday said that she's been praying, like, in this crazy busy season for Grace. She's been praying for us. And I'm like, wow, to think that you've got time to pray for me. And not only was she praying, she came and she told me the exact same thing that I feel that the Lord has been saying to me as well. And having that confirmed is just, it's profound. And just God's idea for church is just, is, he's just so clever. He's just so clever. And thank you guys for being his hands and his feet because it has made the world of difference to us.
Morning, church. Um, so I just wanted to share about my sister. Um, so <laughs> her whole life was sport. So um, midway through high school, she got diagnosed with dyslexia. And then three months later, I think five more things got added to the list. So her whole life was social life on the sport field. Normal was sports for her. Um, and then one day at, during a hockey practice, she got hit in the back of the head with a hockey ball. Concussion there and then. So she was off sport. She was really down. And as she was getting back into the mojo of it, again, hockey practice, hockey ball to the front of the head. So we just kept hitting barrier after barrier. Um, and when she looked like she was in the clear, she went for a run, came back. She could not even stand. The headache was so bad. So we took her back to the doctor and he said, yeah, third round concussion. But we were just like, she was running. How could she have a concussion from running? And he just said, I don't know, but she's got a concussion. So then they just said to her, she can't play hockey anymore. She can't do any violent sports anymore, which were all that her life was about. So to her, life was just over. So we would, I would go home. I would go home and we would spend evenings crying. My mom, my sister, all of us would just be crying on the bed. My dad would be pacing the halls because he didn't know what to do. Um, I, I got a message a few months ago from my mom saying, please pray for your sister. The doctors think she's got a brain bleed. So she went for the scans and praise Jesus, they were clear. There was no nothing. They couldn't figure out how it happened. She had all the signs for it. Um, and then a few weeks ago, my mom got back to me and she said, her concussions are cleared. She's clear to go back to sport. Um, but at the same time, my sister was going through the most because it was meant to be her senior year is coming up next year. And she applied to do all these positions. Um, and she got declined for all of them. So she was just like, clearly the school just doesn't want me. Um, you know, my friends are only just starting to talk to me again. So she was going through a lot socially. So prize giving evening, um, she told my parents, just don't come. I'm just gonna be sitting at the back doing nothing anyways. Um, the school phoned my parents, both my parents, and said, you need to come to this prize giving. We cannot tell you why, but you have to come to this prize giving. So my parents were like, but she said she wasn't going to get anything. You know, she's, she didn't do any sport. She didn't do any cultures. She missed a lot of school days because she was sick. So the school just said, no, you have to come. So my parents rocked up just as prize giving was starting. Um, and she actually got two academic awards for the highest grades in the school, which she did not know. And she got told that she was head girl of the school. So praise Jesus for that. And it was just, it was, it was hard for us because she was in a state where she was just like, how could God do something like this to me? You know, I have tried, we had been praying for months and nothing was happening. And my dad was just getting so frustrated. We were frustrated with the church. We were frustrated with everybody. We were frustrated with doctors. And just having that ability to just lean on God and trust in God and what he has planned. You know, and know that he has a plan set out and that even though you might feel low, to just go straight to him. Hi. <laughs> we came from gym with two suitcases and two pennies in our pockets. And we struggled and struggled to find a job. Afrikaans being very low. <laughs> and just everywhere we went was no luck. Well, I, I was walking to get an, I had an interview as a bookkeeper, and as I was going along, I realized, oh, I'm a bit early. 
And I was chatting to the lady who was looking after the cars there, and then she said, oh, you better go now, it's time. So off I went up for the thing. She said, I'll hold thumbs for you. Had the interview, hmm, no luck. <laughs> As I came back, she said, any luck for you? I said, no, I'm too old. She said, well, come and work for me. Now, a car guard. I can't be a car guard. But I had prayed beforehand, and I said, Lord, I need a job. I've got to do something. I will do anything. And I remembered that. I said, yes, okay, I'll come. <laughs> she said, well, wear flat shoes, bring a bag to put your money in. I came the following day. What a day. It was the hardest, hardest, hardest. It was easier when people didn't give you any money. You felt such like a beggar. Anyway, at five o'clock, she says, oh, off you go. Now, you've worked very hard today. You're not used to this. We'll see you in the morning. So off I went back home, opened the door to the little flat where we were, and the phone rang. Hi. Oh, Jen, is that you? I've got a job for you as a bookkeeper. And it was like God said, mm, now I believe you. This man's got some news. But, Jen, I want to ask you a question. How, how old were you at that stage? No, then, with the job, when you told that. 76 years old, saying to God, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Guys, this is where the real stuff happens, eh? This is beautiful. Hello, hello. Um, so, on Tuesday evening at 6.37, we welcomed little girl into the world. So, I thought I'd quickly share about the journey that got us there. Um, Monday evening at around 8 o'clock, Cara started feeling uh, some heavy contractions. So, we went to the hospital. Uh, at about one o'clock, and then uh, they booked her in and uh, got monitors on and started monitoring. At seven in the morning, the doctor came and uh, he said, okay, just wait it out. She was about four centimeters in. Everybody asked, you have to get to 10. So it's four to 10. Um, and then uh, he kept periodically checking and she uh, uh, progressed a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then at around 12, he said, she's progressing way too slow. Um, and the baby's not in a good position and things like that, and she's uh, in tons of pain. And uh, anybody who's ever gone through that will know what the valley of the shadow of death is, and uh, she was definitely in there. And she, I mean, she essentially then spent from 7 in the morning when the heavy contraction started until 7 that evening, so it was around 11 hours that she was in there, and every time the doctor would come back every two hours and say, listen, I'm going to give you another shot because he knew that we really wanted to go for a natural birth. And he said, he's definitely recommending a Caesar, but uh, he's going to give us another shot. And throughout, we were just praying, and I just kept praying for peace. That was, I just said, God, if it's your will, pain relief would be great, but just peace. And um, Cara was very strong-willed. She wanted to go the natural birth route. But then, by the end, the doctor said, no, he wants to make the call. We have to decide now what we're going to do. And she said, I've got peace with it. We're going to get the cesarean. And so I knew, I knew it was the right call right then. Um, because she also wasn't in the right state of mind to make any good calls. So she relied on me to make the calls. Then uh, we went in. It was pretty quick. <laughs> it was over. And uh, the baby came out, and the baby is super healthy, super happy, not crying at all, really. <laughs> and uh, we're now at home, and everything's good, so please come visit. Thanks. <laughs> the name is L. 
So if anybody wanted to know how to pronounce it, it it's, you pronounce it like the letter L. But it's E-L-L-E. Time for a few more. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I've been wrestling with myself at the back deck, so I came and I was like, no, I'm not speaking, whatever. God's put on my heart. I'm like, dude, can you stop? Like, I don't want to speak. <laughs> Anyways, here I am. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of you know me, but I have, like, I've got one brother and I'm really close to them. Our whole family's really tight. He studies in Canada. Anyways, about midway through the year, um, he was on his way to a job in, in Zambia and he went home. Uh, anyways, long story short, car accident, uh, pretty pretty lethal. Um, he wasn't meant to be here today. Uh, he is, <laughs> just put it there. But So I got the call Saturday morning, and yeah, it wrecks everybody. Um, I think anybody in my position or in anybody that knew him was like taken aback because he's always been, he's been the perfect child. He's been good at everything. He's succeeded in everything in his life, and this was just a shot to the heart. Um, Anyways, he didn't handle it well, so I just, I got on a plane, went home, and this was, so I had like three days of wrestling with myself, should I go home, should I not go home, all this kind of thing, because I didn't want to stress the parents out, all that kind of stuff, just getting constant updates. Anyways, I decided to go home, and he, when well, I was on the flight home, obviously not in comms, I got home, and unknown to me, uh, while I was on the flight, the hospital called my parents and said, come take him out of hospital, he, he needs to go home. Um, so like, what? So I got home and he was sitting on the couch and let me just put this into perspective. He was on adrenaline um, for about five hours after the crash. They didn't think he, was, he wasn't meant to make it. Um, I'm not gonna go into the details about all the trauma, but it was just amazing. It was four days from not making it to sitting on your couch at home. And every time we went back to the doctors, they said that wasn't meant to happen. He's still meant to be in hospital, if anything. Um, and it's just, yeah, I'm really dogging this speech, but it's just a, it's just a, a, a real testimony at, at how God can deal with things. And I was just praying to God. I didn't know what else to do. Um, so I just sat on my bed and I cried and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And a couple of the boys came to see me. They know who they are. Um, and they really got us through it. And I'm just so thankful for that because God works miracles and it clearly wasn't Tom's time to go, and um, God stated that, and he said, no, not only, not only am I going to save him, but I'm going to save him in record time. I mean, four days out of hospital, that's crazy. Um, anyways, yeah, he's, he's back in Canada now and doing really well, as he always does. Um, can never outshine him, but I'm just so thankful to God for that, but it's been great. So, yeah, just a, a good testimony. Okay, hi, I'm Natalie, uh, this is Jade. Um, yeah, I wasn't gonna speak, I've been in the mom's room listening to everyone talking and I just really feel like I need to just share. Um, we've had a year of intense testing with health in our family. Um, Jade has had, oh, I don't think we've had a month where he hasn't been on hectic meds or antibiotics or uh, we've just been regular at the PED, and yeah. Um, so he's had a rough year, and then about five weeks ago, Ryan played in the band at church, went for a lunch, and that night ended up in the ER with what became encephalitis. Um, he was in and out of hospital for two weeks, and yeah, he's been home since, or oh, he's been home now about three weeks, the effects of it have been quite hectic on us as a family and have been quite hard for me to carry with the three kids as well. Um, but it just, we got given a scripture a while ago um, where God spoke to Ryan. He was going through a hectic time at work and a friend prayed for us and just said to him, I see a season coming where you are going to be a rock that collects moss, and you need to trust God in that season. And it made no sense at the time. And then Ryan got sick, and it all kind of just fell into place because now he he can't work. He's 
got to lie down, he's got to sleep, he's got to be a rock collecting moss. And it's been an incredibly frustrating time for a man who's not used to sitting still and being stationary and when your brain is sick and that organ is the one you need to rest um, so that you can give it time to heal. And God has been very faithful and surprising. People we who you never would have expected have stepped forward and been supportive and people have brought us food and visited and encouraged and stood by us. <sighs> yeah, sorry. And it's been the most trying time and sometimes... <laughs> And I just, I just want to encourage you because sometimes the answers to your prayers don't look how you think they're going to look. And sometimes God puts you through the fire. And we've prayed for healing, and in praying for healing, it's just been constant remind. There's just been confirmation after confirmation that this time of sickness has been given to us. Not for Ryan to be sick, but for God to work through this time where he's got to slow down, where work is not 16-hour days like it normally is, where God can talk to him and minister to him, where the brief times he can be up and present and he can pray and read his word. And it's like God's given him the sabbatical in this time of illness. And it's not looked how we thought it would look, and it's not something that we would have wanted, but... God has been so, so good to us in this time. And so, please just pray for us because Ryan's now got hand, foot, and mouth, which he caught from Jed, on top of everything else. Um, yeah, but it's been a time, and I, yeah, I just, I want to praise God because he's not left us. He's been amazing in this time. Yeah. Okay, so I've also been back and forth with myself. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? Okay, I should. And then I was like, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> so now I've just, I've just decided I'm going to do it. Um, so I think, in essence, I want to bring across like God's divine timing and how we, at, in the moment you're thinking, like, but why is this happening? And why me? And like, I can't deal with this. And with God, you can. He, you know, for me, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And whether you understand that in that moment or like three years later or two days later or an hour later, whether you, you know, dropped your penny and you went and picked it up, that's okay because that person down there wasn't supposed to see you. So I feel like it all works out like that. Um, so just like to emphasize like how I strongly I believe in God and like how good he is and, you know, his divine timing when you actually sit down and you're like, okay, but why did this happen? And you're like, okay, this has happened and this has happened and this is why this is happening. So when I was little, um, I was in a car accident and my mom passed away. Um, so ever since it's been like a roller coaster of just people, just like, yeah, like really important people, just it's happening. <laughs> and um, through that, like he's taught me a lot in the sense that, you know, People come in your lives and they're supposed to leave a message. Like this little quote I live on is people walk in your life and they leave footprints on your heart. And at the end of the day, it is like that. And, you know, we all have each other stepping stones. And, you know, God all gives us gifts. Either you're good with your hands or you're intelligent or you have a love for giving. And, all, you know, everyone has their own thing. And last year literally this time um my best friend passed away and we were supposed to be roommates this year and Kaylin knows it's been rough and I went through like a pit of like downhill and um I yeah it was it was not a good time I ended up doing a couple of things that I really was like oh, it was so unnecessary and um a friend of mine was getting baptized and I just thought okay like, this is about three months after um, his death, and I just thought, okay, cool, I'm going to support her. Like, I know how good this is. It's it's the most incredible experience you can go through. And I sat there, and I, I got introduced to a church in Strand, and it's really lovely there, but it's a little bit too far for me. And I go, and I see, and there's incredible things are happening. And then the one day, I think about a month after that whole thing, I just said to my mom, I need help. Like, I'm super depressed, I'm 
operating through live. I'm just moving. Like, I don't know how I'm getting up for work in the mornings. I'm sitting through lectures like, what am I doing here? And I'm thinking about the most odd things that I'm supposed to be working. Like, I'll be thinking about how like, green the grass actually is. And like, if I could sit somewhere else, where would I be? And, you know, I wasn't focused. I was super pulled out of the world. And mom said, okay, well, why don't you go speak to the pastor? And I thought, oh, okay, 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 I'll go do it. Like, you know, because like, I, I needed help. I was like, God, I need help. Please show me the way. And I messaged him and I was like, listen, I need some help. And my initial response was, okay, he's going to be like, he doesn't have time. He's got other stuff to do. You know, that's going to be that. And he said, great, Bianca, I will see you at this time in this place. Let's have a chat. And I was like, okay, let's have a chat. And we ended up sitting there and I kind of explained um, my past. And there's a lot of other little mishaps that have happened along the way, but it's just too much. Yeah, it's too deep for right now. And um, he then advised me to go speak to someone else. Her name's Hester. And she she saved me 100%. I can say that with no, yeah, so much confidence. I sat there and I looked at her and I said, like she told me, she kind of does this, um, it's called Sozo and it's a healing that you do. It's a therapy with God. And you ask God like, but why is this happening? And you know, at one point I was so scared of, I had so much fear in me. I could hardly go to the bathroom by myself. I would have someone waiting on the other side of the door talking to me just so that I knew like I wasn't alone. So I felt that God had left me in a place where I, at that point I was living in Nietzschefonden, which is, I don't know if anyone knows, like all the way outside of Stellenbosch. So I was even more alone and I felt that there was no one. I was all by myself. There's no one here. I'm so scared and terrified of almost everything. And I said to God, like, God, why, why, is, this, why is this happening? And um, you kind of have to speak about everything and share what's on your heart. And at the end of the day, like, love is real, let me tell you. <laughs> God loves us all so dearly. And um, I kind of told him, like, yeah, I'm really fearful of this. And she said, okay, close your eyes um, and ask God to show you what fear looks like. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's see what fear looks like. So I close my eyes and I'm like, okay. And I, I, for a while, like you sit there and I mean, it doesn't happen instantly. And I said, God, I would really like to see what fear looks like right now. Like, like I'm terrified of going to the bathroom. Like, show me what, why this fear is so great. And I close my eyes and this image flashed into my brain and it was this wall. It's about this big. I can see this side and I can see this side. And as I look up, I'm like, oh my word, I need to get to the other side of this wall. How am I going to do this? So I was like, okay, God, like, you know, <laughs> I remember my ex-boyfriend, he was doing rock climbing at one point, but don't worry, like, I'm going to feel for the rocks, you know, which one's loose, but I have no harness, I have nothing to support me. If I fall, I fall, like, that's it, I'm, I'm done as, <laughs> that's me falling. And I was so terrified of climbing this wall. And after speaking to God and saying, listen, I'm so scared, why, can you help me? Why is this happening? And questioning so many questions that I feared, um, about life and why certain situations kept happening to me and why people I loved kept passing away. Um, it wasn't just, okay, no, they have something. They, they just, the one minute they're there and the next minute they're gone. Um, and um, yeah, and at the end of it, like speaking to God and him like putting his presence in me and telling me, Bianca, I'm here for you and I care and love you so dearly that whole wall that I could see both sides of but couldn't get to the other side became one solid little brick on the floor and I just leaped over it. And um, God, at the end of the day, like he loves so much and his divine timing is incredible. Whether you understand it now or whether you understand it in two days' time, if I hadn't gone through this, like I wouldn't have had encounters with people who live right next to me that I didn't even know lived there. And yeah, it's just been an incredible journey and his timing is, is awesome. So yeah, everything happens for reason. Last one. <laughs> I'll try. Um, I was sitting in the mom's room or let me say parents' room. Um, yeah, our story, obviously my story and our family story started years ago, but I'll just 
quickly summarize the last two years or so. Um, so we had a similar experience than Dirk, that um, Riley's water broke in, when was that? July 2017. Um, and she also had an emergency seizure, but just the day before, somebody approached me to come and work here in Stellenbosch. We were happily living in Joburg, in bliss. Um, and um, somebody sent me a message, and I, I told Raleigh just after Annie was born, look, do you want to move to, to Stellenbosch? I got an offer to work there, and she said, no way. Um, I don't know if it was just just being giving birth to a, a little beautiful girl or whatever, but she was she was totally against it. I wanted to move because I've been in the same job for 18 years. I needed a break, maybe tired of my current manager, and my mum was also sick with cancer at the time, so I I felt compelled to to take it. Um, Riley wasn't on the same page. In September, we came for a week. Um, God gave us both peace in that week. Um, we, I accepted the offer. I bought a house in the same week. It was huge. And, but the, the great thing there is just that God gave us peace and that, that he wanted us here. We didn't know why and stuff, but we came. Um, then my mum got quite sick, she had lung cancer, she passed away last year, December. Um, so I'm still dealing with that, but through, throughout, God has been faithful and always sustained us with peace and the knowledge that he wants us here and he has a purpose for us. Um, and just as that happened, um, the, the company that sort of approached me to come and work here. They were going through a really bad um, period uh, where the company almost filed for liquidation. On the last minute, it was an amazing miracle. Which I won't go in detail. You can come and talk to me afterwards. But it's, a, it's just amazing how it all worked out. Um, basically, I was throwing my keys down, leaving the office to just go away without being paid. And then God broke through in that moment and just turned it around. So it's, it's just to God, all the glory in that. And um, yeah, even now we, um, we also have our struggles. Um, um, sorry. My mom-in-law was also still battling with cancer, but I know we can trust God and his peace won't depart from me. And um, yeah, in all these stories today, I just, I know that God is with us and he's greater than our circumstances and above all, he's faithful. And I just want to testify that and I don't want to walk away today and not testify that God is faithful. And he, um, he helped us at to be faithful and to, he calls us to obedience. And even if we don't, his grace is enough for us. And I just want to pray that all over us that um, God's peace will be with us all. And yeah, and that will never depart from us. Um, and it will grow deeper each year and through each struggle. Um, his, his peace will be with us. And I, I just want to yeah, encourage you guys to just trust God. And um, you won't disappoint. Thanks. Sure, guys. Um, yeah, beautiful. Thank you for those who shared. And I'm sorry if uh, you didn't get an opportunity. Um, time has unfortunately run away with us this morning, and I'm um, a bit over time. But yeah, thank you to each and every one of you who shared. Um, just so deeply encouraging and stirring um, just to see what God is doing in our midst and what God has done. Okay, John, do you want to come and share quickly? Yeah, um, yeah I, I listened to everybody this morning and um, I don't have a, a story to share. 
Um, God has just been good to me um, for many years. And even when I go through tough things, I just take it on the chin kind of thing. Um, but I listen to, to all everybody's stories, and I'm so encouraged that we serve a living God. And, um, yeah, I, I have this poem I've maybe shared it with one or two people. And, yeah, maybe Ollie can read it. I really just feel that it's something that, that people can take home and they can be encouraged with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't feel <laughs> I could read right now, but... It's just something I want to share with everybody that's been through very, very, very tough things in life. Um, and they stand here, they, they still serve God, they, they haven't walked away from their path that God has put them on. And like Kate said, we've got a community that, that surrounds us, and that's so amazing. And if you don't mind just reading it to us. Okay. It's called The Refiner's Fire. There burns a fire with sacred heat, white hot with holy flame, and all who dare pass through its blaze will not emerge the same. Some as bronze and some as silver, some as gold, then with great skill all are hammered by their sufferings on the anvil of his will. The refiner's fire has now become my soul's desire, purged and cleansed and purified, that the Lord be glorified. He is consuming my soul, refining me, making me whole. No matter what I may lose, I choose the refiner's fire. I'm learning now to trust his touch, to crave the fire's embrace. For though my past with sin was etched, his mercies did erase. Each time his purging cleanses deeper, I'm not sure that I'll survive. Yet the strength in growing weaker keeps my hungry soul alive.